G'day. Tilda Joy here for this week's edition of Stick Together, focusing on union news, workers' stories, and social justice issues. This program is produced on the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and we pay our respects to their elders past and present. This episode was recorded in isolation for 3CR Community Radio and broadcast nationally by the Community Radio Network. Well, as we record this week's episode, we've just seen the government make massive cuts to the social security benefits that have kept workers afloat throughout the COVID-19 crisis. The 25th of September marked Poverty Day when the federal government cut the rate of the coronavirus supplement by $300 a fortnight. This has put 1.5 million people on Centrelink payments below the poverty line, and a new report from the Australian Council of Social Services demonstrates that returning unemployment benefits to their pre-COVID rates will cost the economy $31.5 billion and result in 145,000 job losses. On Monday, the 28th of September, unemployed workers outside of so-called Victoria have been forced back into the mutual obligation system, wherein private employment agencies can suspend workers' benefits for not complying with their job search requirements. Simultaneously, the government has slashed the JobKeeper wage guarantee by $300 a fortnight for permanent employees and by $750 a fortnight, a full 50%, for people working less than 20 hours a week. These cuts to working people's welfare come in the midst of the first recession in almost 30 years. And at a time of such immense struggle, the government attempts to dismantle lending regulations set in the Banking Royal Commission and to further water down industrial awards and the better-off overall test. While COVID-19 transmissions continue to fall, so-called New South Wales recently recorded a day with no new infections, and so-called Victoria recorded less than 10 infections for the first time in months. The economy, however, shows no significant signs of recovery. Here in so-called Melbourne, while eased restrictions mean that we can go to the supermarket more freely and travel at night without attracting fines, Key industries, such as retail, hospitality, entertainment, the arts, all remain partially or totally closed. This week, we'll be speaking to Josh Cullinan, the Secretary of the Retail and Fast Food Workers Union, RAFWU, about their efforts to defend workers' rights and their well-being over the past few months, and in particular, we're going to speak about the outlook for vulnerable retail workers in so-called Victoria. But first, just a few important things to note for unemployed workers going through the Centrelink system. No worker in so-called Victoria is required to engage in mutual obligations. Sole traders and self-employed workers are also exempt from mutual obligations. No job service provider can force you to attend a face-to-face meeting. While workers who are subject to mutual obligations are required to sign a job plan, every worker has 48 hours to review their plan. All workers are entitled to renegotiate their job plan at any time if it doesn't reflect their circumstances. No worker can be forced into the work for the dole. All in-person activities are optional at this time. No worker can be required to search for more than eight jobs a month. It's crucial for you to know your rights. And if your job agency is denying you your rights, or if you just want to know more, get in touch with the Australian Unemployed Workers Union. Okay, let's throw over to the interview now. All right, thanks for joining us, Josh. We've got here Josh Cullinan, um, the secretary from the Retail and Fast Food Workers Union. How are you doing today? I'm going well. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's a total pleasure. Um, so I just wanted to chat to you, Josh, about the Tantex decision that's happened quite recently with um, with McDonald's up in uh, Queensland. Um, do you want to give us uh, just a quick background about that? 
Yeah, sure. So Tantex Holdings Proprietary Limited is a major franchisee of the McDonald's network. And um, and they operate about seven or eight uh, outlets in and around Brisbane, including the largest outlet in the Southern Hemisphere um, at uh, the Queen Street Mall in Brisbane. Um, and we became aware in late 2018 that workers across the McDonald's group were uh, being denied uh, rest breaks and we launched a campaign about it. These are paid 10 minute rest breaks that they were entitled to under their agreement. Um, and we launched a campaign about it and it filtered through to the workers, including some members at, uh, at Tantec sites in Brisbane and they started fighting back um, and they did a few things. Uh, one member uh, insisted on taking her break and uh, even walked out um, and she was disciplined for that and told not to do it again. Um, and on the 5th of January 2019, it got too much for the general manager who managed all these sites. And he decided that he had to shut down this agitation, um, this uh, this unionising and the, this campaign by workers. And he posted a Facebook post uh, which made a series of allegations. But at its core, it threatened and coerced workers that if they did take their 10-minute break, they would be banned from accessing the toilet or drinking water outside of their 10-minute break in their four-hour or longer shift. It was an outrageous post to make. We couldn't believe it at the time. Um, and we certainly uh, published it so that everyone could see uh, what, what McDonald's as major franchisees were doing. And we also raised it with head office at McDonald's. Um, they didn't take any serious action. Um, and we decided with our members that we needed to take um, action on this. Uh, we, we immediately organised a rally. It was the first rally protest action by workers at a McDonald's site in Australian history. Uh, we had members uh, turn up at the Meyer outlet in the city, city centre in Brisbane um, and, uh, and we got a lot of media coverage. Uh, and one of the workers that was attending that rally was uh, a woman called Kira Staines. And Kira then joined with us to commence litigation against Tantex Holdings. She'd been denied over 200 rest breaks across two years. Um, and in fact, Kira was the worker that had walked out um, when she just insisted on having a 10 minute break and was disciplined for it. So Kira and Rafwu launched litigation. We prosecuted them on a range of breaches, including misrepresenting the rights of workers in relation to sick leave. Workers were told that they couldn't use their sick leave at certain times. Misrepresentations about the post, about breaks and toilet and water and threats and coercion, that that, that that post was threatening adverse action and coercing workers over uh, over their breaks and toilet and water access. And uh, that litigation has been ongoing for almost a year. And on the 31st of August, uh, the federal court uh, handed down its findings and uh, agreed with Rafwu and Kira um, that Kira's uh, rights had been breached and that she was owed compensation um, and that Tantext had uh, had misrepresented their rights to workers, had threatened workers and coerced workers, including children, about their rights um, to rest breaks, to toilet and to water access. Uh, so I think that uh, it's the first judgment in Australia which identifies access to toilets and water is a workplace right. Yeah, it's quite astonishing. I mean, um, it's almost a matter of, well, it certainly is a matter of, of human rights, isn't it? That's right. We, we, we alleged that it, it was at its core cruel and inhumane treatment of workers 
to subject them to these kinds of threats and coercion. And uh, Tantex Holdings, the major McDonald's franchisee, defended that. They didn't admit any of these things. They didn't admit, they, they denied that workers have a right to toilet and water access. They denied that workers had a, uh, that, that it was inhumane um, uh, treatment of these workers to make these threats. So uh, we had to fight it all the way through. And it was an outrageous breach of their fundamental human rights and their workplace rights. Yeah, I, I guess the the ruling has some pretty broad implications because we don't really have a charter of human rights here in Australia. So um, th- this is a pretty pretty massive precedent to be set. Hey, yeah, it's a, it's it is it is a big precedent to be set. It, it also exposes some of the behaviours that go on to in the, in our workplaces for for very young workers um, and heavily casualised workplaces. You know, eighty five percent of workers at McDonald's are in casual employment. Over 80% are under the age of 21 and more than half are children under the age of 18. Um, And so there is no fundamental human rights um, uh, charter or act uh, for the federal jurisdiction for all of Australia. And and this is important in the context that it fundamentally shows that some of these core workplace rights include things that would otherwise be just um, basic things that should apply to all people. Absolutely. Um, and this obviously wouldn't just be contained to this, this one workplace, would it? Like this is, would you say this is, um, you know, fairly replicable across, um, McDonald's sites in Australia? Uh, that's right. I mean, we, even in the weeks before and after this, uh, judgment, we have members reaching out to us, telling us that their employer is, is making the same threats. Uh, they might not be, uh, silly enough to put it in writing, as uh, this general manager did, but they certainly tell workers that if you want your breaks, you won't get toilet or water access. Um, and so this is very common right through McDonald's um, and the fast food sector. Uh, and in fact, on the night of the decision, um, that night we launched a campaign for workers to register on our website as we investigate what the best way is to secure compensation for all workers. Kira's one worker who worked very average arrangements at McDonald's for about two years. She worked about two shifts a week. Um, and that's pretty average for most McDonald's workers. And she's now been paid over $1,800 in compensation for uh, the theft of these breaks um, and the impact upon her. Um, and so we think that uh, there should be proper compensation paid to all workers at McDonald's, no matter their franchisee, no matter whether they work for head office, there should be compensation for all workers at McDonald's that have been impacted in a similar way. Well, congratulations on this incredible win. Um, it's obviously been a couple of years in the making and um, you must be very proud of yourselves. Um, I noticed that there's another union around that's also been doing a bit of a victory lap. We've seen the SDA kind of taking a little bit of a credit for this win, hey? I really don't. I mean, I don't think there's much to comment on. It's It just shows the despicable nature of that organisation, an organisation that only started calling itself a union in recent years. Before that, it was embarrassed by the term. So um, that the, the SDA had a, a very long history of working with McDonald's to deny workers' rights. In fact, the agreements that applied, the SDA agreements that applied at McDonald's for the last two decades abolished all penalty rates on weekends. They abolished all sorts of rights. Um, the one right that they didn't abolish, which they probably wish they had, was the right to be able to have these 10-minute paid drinks breaks and rest breaks. And 
Um, and it's just it just shows the despicable level of um, their campaigning that they would try and claim this um, fantastic outcome achieved by Kira and Rafui members as somehow um, relating to to their efforts. I'll never forget the young workers at McDonald's who told me that they'd raised this very issue with with their with the SDA, and the SDA had been able to secure them the right to have a drink bottle at work, not the ten minute break, but the right to have a drink bottle and. Uh, for me, it's just grossly disappointing um, that um, that organisation would purport to do anything in the interests of workers because it's spent decades fighting them. Too true. Well, I'd just like to turn now to maybe some things that have been happening in the Fair Work Commission lately, um, just around potential watering down of uh, industrial awards and um, EBAs, things like the better off overall test. Um, there's been a bit of an, a push by industry and government to kind of say that the rules are just too in favour of the workers at the moment. And we need to give you know bosses a chance to um, do whatever they need to do. Um, I was just wondering if you'd like to comment on that. Yeah, so we've had a series of um, negotiation meetings between um, various organisations to discuss issues to do with bargaining and awards and other matters. Um, the bargaining negotiations have now been exposed um, by the employers, which is quite remarkable. Um, the, the, the other side in those negotiations appears um, very focused on keeping confidentiality, which, um, which is grossly disappointing because workers should know exactly what's being said on their behalf in those discussions. But the employer groups have come out and said that uh, there's been a negotiating position reached by the SDA, the ACTU and the Business Council of Australia to soften the better off overall test effectively handing back uh, the situation that we had before RAFWU where a billion dollars a year was being fleeced from retail and fast food workers under old SDA agreements. And so we now know that that discussion's been going on and negotiations have been going on to weaken that better off overall test, a critical test that RAFWU's used for four years to return that billion dollars. And so, of course, there's a billion reasons why they want to do that, um, but we're very disappointed um, that that attack's been rolling out. Fundamentally, at its core, there is one thing that's broken with enterprise bargaining in Australia, and that comes back to what Coles is doing right now. They are just simply refusing to bargain. And the thing that's broken is that workers can't take industrial action in pursuit of a new agreement. They have so many strictures and processes and prohibitions put in place to their right to strike, a fundamental human right, to collectively organise and collectively associate in unions that they form and collectively bargain, those fundamental human rights are currently smashed in Australia where there's no right to strike for workers. But do you think that the right to strike is even on the agenda? It's not even in their dreams of those that are attending those meetings. Um, what they're sitting there doing in their closed rooms, in rooms where, you know, no doubt everyone only eats chocolate biscuits. I can tell you none of them have ever seen or smelt the taste of an arrowroot biscuit that we <laughs> Retail and fast food workers have to rely on in their tea rooms if they're lucky. Um, these, these people have been sitting around talking and dreaming up how they can smash the rights of workers. It's it's abominable and it's shameful, and we're going to keep calling it out. Um, and we're we're just hopeful that none of this gets accepted by the government. Uh, sorry, by the by the parliament, and that workers can continue to have that better off overall test and the other protections. We need to focus on the right to strike. That's where our focus should be. Today we're recording on the 25th of September, which has um, been widely called uh, Poverty Day. Uh, it's the day when they're um, slashing the 
rate of the coronavirus supplement to people who are on Centrelink payments. Um, and on Monday, they're going to be um, rolling back the JobKeeper rate um, and severely slashing it for um, part-time and, and casual workers. Uh, here in Victoria, of course, um, with stage four restrictions, massive, massive sections of the retail um, sector have been um, closed down. Um, everything outside of supermarkets, really. Um, how's this set to affect retail workers in Victoria? Well, many, many retail and fast food workers rely on the social security safety net. Um, so many, so many of our members and workers right across the sectors are employed in um, in in casual employment. They're underemployed um, and they go through serious periods of, of unemployment. Um, and so many of our members rely on the social security safety net and the JobKeeper arrangements and the JobSeeker arrangements have been critical to provide a a, a, a capacity to live during these last few months. Um, we all know how um, how outrageous the, the poverty rates have been prior to COVID. Um, and we now have huge more huge numbers of more workers um, relying on uh, job seeker and job keeper and the supplements and the social security safety net. Um, so it, it will have a massive impact um, as we go into the next stages. And the, and the ludicrous nature of um, expecting workers to be you know, applying for set numbers of job or jobs or or reintroducing the 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 um, mutual obligation arrangements for for work for the doll. All of those structures uh, are further impediments inflicted upon our members and upon many many workers. In Victoria, we are see, going to see a phase where businesses are uh, going to be struggling more than other parts of the country because of the uh, lockdown and because of the extended period of, of lockdown. Um, and we expect that many more workers, particularly casual workers, uh, will be losing their, their work um, over the coming six months. Um, and so these cuts to the social security safety net um, and, uh, are disastrous for, for our members and for those that rely on them. Right. And there must be so many casual workers at the moment who are following on from this, this lockdown have basically just been cut to, to zero hours already, right? Yes. So, so that we've already got um, large numbers of casual workers, for example, in the early stages, and it wasn't even, it wasn't even really dictated by, by COVID. These, these are ruthless employers. Like we've got companies like JB Hi-Fi where they made huge profits over March, April, May, and June, huge profits. Um, but at the same time, they were arguing that they uh, they were struggling and so effectively stood down all their casual workers. Um, and so these aren't benevolent employers in retail and fast food. They will take every opportunity to to cut hours and to put more pressure on workers. And we have, and that was one example of where many casual workers were stood down or have subsequently been sacked. Um, and that that has been occurring right across the economy. We, we we've already got a situation in in supermarkets, in Coles and Woolworths, where hours are being slashed as they continue to try and um, ever increase their profit margins. And so there are fewer and fewer um, hours being worked and opportunities for those hours, um, particularly in Victoria, um, but but in other states as well. And so, obviously, these big employers um, like Officeworks and uh, Bunnings and places like that have been doing huge profits, and aren't um, their employees aren't uh, able to enjoy the benefits of the JobKeeper program either. Um, 
And there, I understand there's some kind of loopholes in, in the lockdown laws um, that allow some of these big outlets to kind of keep doing um, in-store trading. That's right. There's a couple of things going on. So firstly, we've got um, the JobKeeper extension for even for circumstances even when JobKeeper isn't being paid. So for employers that have continuing to experience a 10% decline, they can get a special certificate which allows them to inflict JobKeeper directions. So workers having their hours cut to 60% of pre-COVID hours with no financial JobKeeper payment. Um, so, so some of those sorts of things are disastrous for our members, um, as are the ending of JobKeeper um, uh, ruthlessly now being used to cut the hours of workers that had been um, at least securing some hours in insecure employment before. But we also have this other end of the spectrum where these multi-billion dollar mega companies like Bunnings and Officeworks, part of the Wes Farmers empire, who have been so desperate to weaken the better off overall test. So and make other changes to industrial laws. Uh, they've created their own little schema to get around the lockdown in Victoria. So at Bunnings, for example, they have what's called a power a power card where um, were, generally in the past, they were used by, used by tradespeople. You'd, you'd register and it'd allow you to collect points or to have some kind of accounting structure and a statement. Um, those power cards have been made available to anyone with an ABN. And um, whilst the lockdown effectively is for tradespeople to be able to access in-store trading in Bunnings, um, the idea that you trade and therefore you have an ABN and you can call yourself a trade, that you want to engage in trade um, as, as distinct from being a tradesperson, um, has allowed huge numbers of people to access the Bunnings stores and to walk the aisles browsing and shopping. And by huge, I mean, our members are reporting hundreds and hundreds of applications being processed every week in store, in each store. Um, so it's been used um, remarkably um, by these companies to, to smash the lockdown in effect. And we have Officeworks similarly a couple of weeks ago introducing changes to the way that they handle um, print and copy, whereas before, uh, in the early stages of the, the lockdown in Victoria, you could get COVID permits and special COVID signage printed in store by going in store. Uh, they've widened that out to be about any um, what's called essential printing. And so what on earth essential printing is? Well, it's printing your menus for your cafe or your restaurant. It's printing signage. It's doing document printing. I mean, document printing. That's a considered essential printing. And so our members are facing these long queues in store wanting access to the print and copy desk um, during a lockdown uh, and having to have a debate with with the with the customer about whether their whether their printing is is essential. They, these these attacks on the whole structure of the lockdown um, haven't been policed. We don't have cops turning up to these shops to try and make sure these that these aren't being breached. We don't have the DHHS or WorkSafe going down and investigating and shutting down this behaviour because it's Wes Farmers and Wes Farmers is too valuable. Um, no doubt, if your local um, your local uh, shop tried to open up and offer a print service to anyone who came by, um, they would be shut down quickly. But these are multi-billion dollar companies and it's grossly disappointing that yet again, retail workers on the front line pay pitifully low wages uh, are being put in harm's way. Yeah, it's atrocious. And obviously not every company is um, in that same situation. And, and that's not just limited to um, 
kind of the bigger companies. We've seen like a massive downturn in uh, fashion retail, for example. Um, how's that affecting workers? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So we've had um, fashion retailers have largely had to shut, um, certainly during the new lockdown. Um, but even during the previous periods, um, it was very difficult. And our members were very concerned about things like change rooms and about returned garments, tried on garments and things like that. It took too long for the government agencies, the federal government agencies, as well as state-based agencies to issue directions and guidance about those things. Um, but those shutdowns, particularly in Victoria now, have been ongoing for a long time and uh, have had a massive impact on our members. Um, and many, very many of them uh, stood down with our pay. Um, and those that have had ongoing employment, the JobKeeper rates will start diminishing um, uh, from from next week. So um, we also have um, those things impacting as well. Well, it sounds like a, a, a dire outlook for uh, a lot of Victorian retail workers. Um, yeah, what, what would you um, say is kind of uh, maybe the steps forward to start to remedy this? Our approach from the very outset, since we launched almost four years ago, has been single-mindedly to build the collective power of workers. If all workers were engaged in a, a campaign right now to maintain um, a living wage for all, you know, whether it be JobKeeper, JobSeeker, or even higher payments than that, we're confident that anything could be achieved. So our focus is really about organising workers into collective action. Um, we believe that that collective action is the pathway and a good example at the moment is some fantastic action the women members of RAFU are taking at JB Hi-Fi around gender discrimination and sexual harassment um, and the campaigning at Coles for a new agreement. Um, it's those opportunities for workers to engage in collective action together that over the longer term will build a militant working class to take back the power in our in our community and ensure that, um, that the the powers that be um, implement changes and structures which are to the benefit of workers and ordinary working people. Well, thanks for that, Josh. Is there anything else you wanted to add? No, that's good, Tilly. That's good. All right. Well, thanks for meeting with me. I'll, um, I'm sure I'll chat to you again soon. Yeah, talk soon. Well, that's it for Stick Together this week. Stick Together is produced for 3CR Community Radio in so-called Melbourne. Stick Together is made possible through the financial support of the Community Broadcasting Foundation and we come to you on the Community Radio Network through your local community radio station. The podcast is available at 3cr.org.au or wherever you get your podcasts and you can contact the producers of the show at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com. Today we're going to play you out with a bit of Utah Phillips, a classic little track called The Preacher and the Slave, a, a good old anti-poverty anthem. Uh, my name's Tilda Joy. Remember, wherever you are or whatever you do, there's a union for you. And until next time, stick together. The long-haired preachers come out every night. I try to tell you what's wrong and what's right. But when asked about something to eat, they will answer in voices so sweet. You will eat, you will eat by and by. In that glorious land in the sky, way up high, work and pray, live on hay. You get by in the sky when you die, that's the lie. The starvation army they play, and they shout and they clap and they pray. When they got all your coins on the drum, they will tell you when you're on the bomb. You will eat. 
get high, work and pray, or live on hay. Uh, you'll get by in the sky when you die, that's why. Holy rollers and jumpers come out, and they roll and they jump and they shout. I give your money to Jesus, they say, and you lead on that glorious day. Uh, you listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.